Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. On today's show, the Rangers have begun 2022 with a bang, and when they finished off Monday night's 4-1 win over Edmonton, found themselves with the most points in the entire National Hockey League. First overall, as of Monday night, we will recap the three-game winning streak and try to answer the question, what is this team's ceiling? We'll also sing the praises of the new makeshift second line, and in particular, Ryan Strom, who continues to impress in the absence of Artemi Panarin. And as always, your questions and hot takes will wrap things up. But first, Becky, Dave, Happy New Year to you both. Happy New Year, guys. I hope everybody took our advice about not going in saying this is my year, because if anything, the last two years have humbled us all. And if you went in saying this is your year... I hope you get hit by a kid riding one of those little buses because those things hurt your ankles a lot or getting hit by a Ranger scooter. <laughs> well, and also, oh I thought God. you were going to say this, Dave, but let's just have a quick moment uh, and, and pour one out and, and an RIP to Betty White, who before 2021 uh, even ended, you know, a really tough loss for really the entire country. I mean, I, I, I do you want to talk about something that united people in a way that very few things have over the last decade or so. The news of Betty White's passing was was right up, pretty high up on that list for sure. So there's actually, I'm going to do like a shameless plug or whatever, but there's like this Betty White challenge is going viral. And um, because she was just, she was like a huge animal lover, animal rights advocate, a, just one piece of what an awesome human being she was. Um, but on her 100th birthday, which would be January 17th, um, they're calling for everyone to pick a local rescue or animal shelter in your area and donate $5 in Betty White's name, which I love. So I'm going to shamelessly plug that. And um, yeah, I think that's a, a great way to honor a wonderful pioneer, a woman who cared about people, animals, the people around her, the world around her. So yeah, let's do it, guys. I'll be we doing that for the place. Yeah, go for it, Rob. Sorry. Okay. I was going to say, we'll link to that, of course, in the description of the podcast, and we'll throw it up on the blog as well. But go ahead, Dave. What were you going to say? I am going to donate to the place where we got Rocket from. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll donate to our local shelter. Uh, Liberty Humane is in Jersey City, so we'll we'll donate there. And I'll donate to the ASPCA because that's Sophie's. I don't know the name of the place where we got Rocket. My wife knows better. <laughs> I'm so bad yeah, at this. We'll make sure the funds <laughs> are directed into the proper account, no doubt. But no, that's, that's again, uh, great, well said, Becky, and a great way to kick off the show. Um, you know, again, on the Ranger front, you know, as I detailed in the intro, they're, they're on a three-game winning streak, ended the year on a positive note, began the year, began the new year on a positive note. Uh, the first of the three games that we're going to talk about was the 4-3 shootout win over Tampa. That was on... New Year's Eve. Uh, I put in the notes here that we could also call that the Barclay Goodrow revenge game. Although revenge might not be the right word. He was honored before the game, received his uh, Stanley Cup ring from his teammates. Kind of a nice moment uh, that the Lightning put together for him. And they put a video out, you know, that showed kind of in real time his reaction. And, you know, look, obviously, uh, I think we're quite envious of what the Lightning have become. I know at least on this podcast, we don't have any love for John Cooper. 
Um, but, you know, either way, very classy thing they did for a former player who was instrumental in their Stanley Cup championship runs. Um, so he gets his Stanley Cup ring. Uh, he gets the video tribute at the first uh, stoppage uh, or first commercial break in the first period. Then goes out and scores two goals and helps his team win a pretty impressive game. Now, um, I thought that of the three games, this was probably the least impressive of the three. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it was kind of spotty, and I think the Rangers, you know, uh, really did not start well at all. I, I was, I, I remember being particularly angry during the first period. I think they only had three or four shots on goal. But they got a really lucky bounce when Brian Elliott handed the puck to Alexi Lafreniere and he scored into an empty net. From that moment on, the Rangers were better. I don't think they were the better team definitively from that point on, but they were better in the game. And they end up getting the win in the shootout. So, um, but really great stuff for Goodrow. And um, Becky, I don't know if you have any, have any you know thoughts or takes on, on that New Year's Eve win over Tampa. Um, I think just kind of two takes, right? So I agree with you, everything you're saying. It wasn't a pretty win, but it was a win. Um, I think it was great that they showed the Goodrow getting, you know, him getting his ring and just kind of being honored. And I hate John Cooper with all I have. He's like right up there with Elaine Vigneault. But um, I think that was really nice to watch. And he was getting emotional about it at the end. You know, when they interviewed him after the game, he was very emotional about it. And there's something to be said about that. I mean, I said when we had Tanner Glass on the team and I could not stand him I mean for what it's worth the man would just do shit away from the puck that you were just like you're just ruining the flow of the game like you're actively ruining the flow of what could be a play here and you're not you're you're not giving anything here however if he had scored the game-winning goal in this for the Stanley Cup playoffs I would have a fucking Tanner Glass jersey like I do not hold grudges like that against players I do against coaches but not against players um I just like and I feel that way about Barkley Goodrow and I just kind of hope that some of the folks out there, the Twitter people who I constantly have to remind myself are only a small percentage of real human beings. um, I hope that people out there feel the same way about Barkley Goodrow. I mean, everyone was pissed off at his contract. Everyone, literally everyone. I can't wait for the mean tweets segment that the Rangers. No, they lost that video. They lost that video. No, they're waiting. They're waiting for they're waiting for their moment. They're waiting for their moment. I'm willing to put moment. money on the fact that they will never release it. Their PR is incredible this year. But if they actually, you know what? If they never release it, it's actually an incredible ploy. Just like stop talking shit about the Rangers online. Stop being mad online. But to oh, that's get true. That's to get, true. That's a good. That's like 4D chess right there. It's 4D chess, baby. <laughs> I know. But if to get back to it, I hope that people can appreciate him and I will happily eat crow if he plays like shit in the playoffs but I think there's a reason that he's on the team and I don't think that you can necessarily look at stats to quantify that um and I believe in stats so before you jump down my throat I believe in stats but I just I don't know there's something about him I just like him as a player other thing I want to say about that game and then I'll give it to you Dave sorry because I'm talking for a while is that (laughs) Mika's shootout goal there, like Mika got his swag back and you saw it in the next game. Well, Becky, you know, you keep saying you believe in stats, but do you believe in life after love? I could feel something inside me saying. All right, you got it. Good. 
All right. Of course I got it. <laughs> Cher is a queen. Cher is always with us. She's like God or Santa or whatever. God or Santa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Two very important people. Cher is the most important. Uh, I don't. I, I had something I was going to say, and then the God or Santa completely wiped it from my mind. I com- I have no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> so sorry. Well, it's your turn to talk. I'm sorry. I've been babbling. Oh, okay. Well, now I remember this. Do, actually, now I remember the oh, stats okay, okay. thing and Barclay Goodrow and bringing more than just what he does on the ice and things like that and. I wanted to make the comparison there to Ryan Reeves, who, like Barclay, Bar- Barclay Bar- Goodrow, Bar-Kay. Good Lord. I'm, tough, opera- tough I'm running on fumes, folks. All right? Are you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking water. <laughs> Barclay Goodrow, like Ryan Reeves, they don't look good on the stat sheet, and quite frankly, they can be e- easily replaced on the ice. And I don't think anybody would really argue that point. Um, but there is so much they bring to the locker room, and I forgot who said it today, that they would happily pay Ryan Reeves $1.75 million to just sit in the locker room and like be a coach on the bench and just kind of be himself there because of just what else he brings to the team. And I think Goodrow is in, cut in that same mold. So we always talk about having a good locker room, and it's to- it's so obvious that the Rangers the last two years were, um, we'll go with divided, to say the least. This year, there's a different feel on the ice, and it goes into what we see where they don't put in a good even strength game all the time, but they find ways to win. And I hate to be that guy that says, there's something else there that we're not seeing, but there's something else there that we're not seeing, and they're winning games despite the crappy even strength play. So okay. I'll take it. So I agree with you, and I want to say, like, this is what it reminds me of. So the 2000, I'm sorry to the both of you, and I'm sorry to, like, probably most of our fans, but our fans. <laughs> um, but the 2009 New York Yankees didn't have it. And, and they had a shit ton of talent. Or the 2009 Yankees did have it. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the 2004 Yankees. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're thinking sorry. of the 04 Yankees. Didn't the 09 sorry, Yankees sorry, win Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, 09 Yankees won they it. Did. They beat the Phillies. I'm sorry. That was that was a complete mistake. Um, the 04 Yankees didn't have it. They had a shit ton of talent. Like, I've not looked at the stats or whatever from that. But, like, they were stacked. I remember that. But... When they started losing, they couldn't stop losing. And there's something to be said for that. And and I don't know what to say. And I don't have anything like a like a grit per 60 or whatever. But like that's what certain teams remind me of. I mean, like we'll talk, I guess, more about the Oilers. But like what the hell? Like they're they're bad and they've got talent coming out of their ass. So like what what is that? I don't yeah, know. I, I think it is. Look, I mean, it's it's the human factor, right? It's it's the thing that, especially the very online among us, and I include myself in that, um, you just forget that sometimes when you're watching these games and then you're like me, if you're like me, you're pulling up natural stat trick and you're like, holy shit, really? They, they only had like, you know, 30% of the expected goals through two periods in this game? I, I don't believe that. And it's like, yeah, that stuff definitely matters. Not saying it doesn't, but when the group of guys on the team 
believes in one another, when they have a system that they believe in, which I think is another huge difference, like you said, Dave, between this year and the last couple of years, um, you can do things. You can outperform your sort of expected goals, right? Your expected metrics. Now, that comes also from having incredible top-end talent. And Becky, you brought up Mika Zibanejad. He scores the shootout goal, and then the next game he goes out and gets a hat trick. Now, mm-hmm. um, a stat that I saw, and I could not believe it, truly could not believe it, but then, you know, you think about it, the guy's that good. He already has eight career hat tricks, seven of them as a Ranger. Mm-hmm. Mika Zibanejad is not even 30 years old yet. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest players of all time maybe get four or five career hat tricks. This guy has eight hat tricks. So... You could look at it that one way and say, yeah, maybe he gets a little bit lucky. He's a streaky scorer. And then he goes silent for 10 or 15 games. And everybody starts wondering, where did what happened to Mika again? You know, did he lose his superpowers? But the guy is an incredible goal scorer. They're without, by the way, currently their, their best all-around offensive player, Artemi Panarin. Chris Kreider is the best net front presence in the National Hockey League, like you said, Dave. They have, the Norris, they have a Norris tr- uh, Trophy-winning defenseman. They have a top two goalie. So, you know, you you sort of sometimes miss the forest for the trees with the Rangers, I think, because Mm -hmm. the top of their roster is right there with everybody else's. And I think the whole point of the role players like Goodrow, like Reeves, like Kevin Rooney, like, uh, you know, even what Patrick Nemeth was supposed to be in, and, and maybe it's a problem that he's not fulfilling that role. Those are the guys you're supposed to be able to depend on that really do solidify your roster for a deep playoff run and because the skill is there the rangers have the skill and and it's also why guys like kako and lafreniere you know look like they pale in comparison because the rangers already have that level of talent on the roster and i just think people in a weird way forget that sometimes and i think we do take zibanejad panarin Kreider, fox all those guys for granted um so you know I, like I mentioned that, like I said, you know, I mentioned the hat trick. Mika goes out and gets a hat trick. The Rangers are up four nothing on Tampa, on Tampa uh, through you know about thirty five minutes of hockey. I thought they actually played a really good game, and that that was a game to me. And Dave, I wonder if you agree, where you know the 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 charts were a little bit misleading in the sense that you know I went back and watched the highlights. I was watching the entire game pretty intently. The Rangers never looked uncomfortable. You know, there were plenty of games early this year that they won where they were scrambling around like chickens with their heads cut off. And that was never the case against a very good team that got a couple of key players back. And, you know, Sorelli and uh, I, I don't know if Point had missed time, but obviously they get Vasilevsky back for that second game. Yeah. The most the overrated goalie ever. Control. Oh, my God. Wow, I don't know about that. Dave. Wow, I do not agree right. with you there. I don't know about that at all. I uh, Well, oh I was going right, to well, ask you who the other goalie is that you think is top two with Shesterkin. Oh, I mean, uh, probably Vasilevsky. Do, and then I don't, I don't even know. Do you know what the goal save above expected stat says the number two goalie is? Because number one is Shesterkin. I hope well, it's Cam it Markstrom. It is... Jack Campbell. Ah, Jack Campbell, right. They are raving about him up in Toronto. So I was yeah. very you, intrigued yeah. by that when I saw that. And Vasilevsky is not even the best goalie in Russia. That's well, just Sturkin. Listen. Yeah, but that's I, I, okay. That that's like being like like Drysaddle's not the best player on the Oilers. Okay, <laughs> like he's still fair, very good. Fair, but I I think Vasilevsky is uh, not the most overrated goalie ever. That's Marty Brodeur, but I think Vasilevsky <laughs> is yes, overrated. Thousand percent. 
Brodeur is go was good, don't get me wrong, but he's not the greatest goalie of all time. No, I couldn't agree more. And, the, and we don't have to litigate the 90s and early 2000s Devils here, but, you know, everyone knows that they, they had games where they gave up 14 shots, and they were literally holding everybody's jersey as they were trying to skate through the neutral zone for two hours. It was miserable, and it almost ruined the sport. Yeah, 14 so we're not goals, talk 14 shots from the blue line, mind you. Right. Yeah, nothing from in front. So, you know, listen, uh, back to the to the game. So, and I wanted to ask you, Dave, because, you know, you do the goal breakdowns after every game, and you obviously put up the heat map and the, the sort of shot flow. You know, again, not hugely flattering underlying numbers for the Rangers in the in the Tampa game, the, the, the shutout. But again, that's where, you know, trying to marry that with the eye test. And, I, and I'm thinking about this in terms of, did the Rangers look uncomfortable? Did, were they giving up a ton of shots from right in front? Were, were defensemen out of position on every other shift? Were they getting caught on extremely long shifts multiple times a period? I didn't see any of that. I thought I saw a team that was in total control, that was still getting chances off the rush, um, and having some effective shifts here and there, even as Tampa pushed. And obviously, because the Rangers had a big lead, they naturally sat back a little bit. And Tampa had most of the puck. But I, I didn't think Tampa, you know, uh, dominated that game to a point where you know you look at that and say, "Wow, that the Rangers stole that one," and they really, you know, needed, um, you know outsize heroics from Shesterkin. You know, he had a great game. He had a shutout, but the Rangers played really well in front of him also. Yeah, so when the Rangers, when any team gets up 3 nothing, you're going to see, in the first period, you're going to see charts like that where the opposition controls it. And you're absolutely right. It's, the, they never looked out of place. They never needed Shesterkin to steal that game. It wasn't like the Oilers game, which we'll get to, where there were times where Shesterkin had, oh God, Georgiev had to bail them out. But you never got that sense against Tampa. And when you're trying to marry this stuff, it, it, first off, single game charts are not meant to be taken as gospel. And I know we say that a lot. And there's a very vocal subset on Twitter that really goes period by period about how the Rangers look. And I try to avoid that. I, I fall victim to that all the time, only when it's extreme. But mm -hmm. I, you know, a, a single game over 82 doesn't tell the story. But the one thing that we, I think, all can agree on, stats, eye test, whatever, is that the Rangers right now offensively have had some issues generating sustained, consistent offense. They are very one and done in the offensive zone, and if they don't get a goal, they're back defending in the defensive zone. They've been great defensively. But if there's one area to nitpick, I think it's that, and we see it in every game where Kaho Kako holds the puck for a little bit too long, goes for that extra pass, um... I just focus on Kako because for some unknown reason, he's always called out on the broadcast for it by Joe. And <laughs> it's becoming comical, kind of like the excuse me's. We got an excuse me that's Bill Pedo on the other one, which was hilarious. But but no, it's just back on point because I apparently have the attention span <laughs> like, of a three-year-old. Like, where are you going with this? <laughs> Lord. <laughs> They don't generate sustained offense, and I think it's a product of the players they have. 
trying. They're very skilled players. Zibanejad one of the best shooters in the game. Panarin is one of the best players in the game. Ryan Strom is, I can't believe I'm saying this, a top two center in the he a top six center in the NHL. He's not faking it. He belongs where he is. So the Rangers have the skill, and it's, I think it's just them. Try the top six getting so much ice time and even strength and trying to do a little bit too much instead of trying to just generate more chances and focusing on the quality. But it leads to charts like this that we see. That was a, well, that was a wonder, word salad. <laughs> um, it makes sense. And like, I actually wonder, so I know that we've uh, and forgive me and maybe like one of you who actually has a memory better than that of a goldfish can remember this but i remember a player made a remark that kind of was a bit biting toward david quinn um and more Ryan favorable Strom. toward gallant it was Strom, yeah saying that it he they they don't have the pressure like they they have the ability to make mistakes basically and do what they want out there is that that's oh that no that, that was caco that yeah. was caco Last year, it was Strom saying something about freedom to kind of do what they want in the offensive zone. This year, it was Kako saying, I don't have the fear of God put into me every time I, you know, the puck hops over my stick or something to that effect. Right. But I mean, but I wonder, though, if with that kind of increased freedom, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like if they're kind of trying to do more fun shit or something and they're not really just like thinking about getting, I hate this phrase but getting pucks on net although it worked for ryan strom last two two nights ago say right on first the oilers so but I mean, um I'll, I'll take a fun rangers team i, I love watching yeah. it it's just trying to you know we're trying to marry the charts and everything and no i know what we see is a team that ha- that we think has holes because of their uh inability to generate sustained offense but is it really a hole i i don't know it could just be maddening that you can't really understand what, like, you, you can't predict it. And I think that that might be what's frustrating to people who are very married to stats is that you want, I mean, there's a whole freaking subsect of predictive, like, predictive analytics. You know, people want to be able to understand what's coming before it's coming, want to be able to say, oh, the Rangers have played Toronto six times and their mean, like, you know, expected goals for whatever is 54%. And so that's definitely what we'll see tonight. Like, that's just kind of how some people's minds work. Um, It also makes for a pretty story when that's your job is to run a site that, or, you know, to run a page that's predicting how the season's going to go, who's going to win the cup, what they think games are going to be, fantasy lineups, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I mean, it's I, I, now I'm venturing out into word salad freaking world. But <laughs> I, I rub off on people. But now, it is. <laughs> it's just it's just that like, you know, I think that's just how some people's minds work. They want to know. People want to be able to predict what's happening or at least be prepared for it. And the unknown is a very real, real fear. And I mean, it seems silly because it's a game. It's not like your life. But some people are just wired that way. Some people just want to know. So that's my my you know, best guess. No, I think that's I think that's all right. And I think, yeah, people want to be able to quantify what they're seeing. And I think what's yeah. what's true is hockey is a very difficult sport to quantify. I mean, I remember first getting into some of the stats and there was sort of this attitude, I suppose, among a lot of analytics people that essentially um, 
shooting talent wasn't really a thing that, you know, shot shooting percentages fluctuate and, um, you know, it's w- much more because of the whole Corsi thing, the whole, I, you know, I, I call it the Corsi revelation, essentially that, you know, you look at most of the Stanley cup champions from the last 20 years since they've been tracking this stuff, pretty much always led the league in Corsi four percentage at, at five on five. Right. So they always had the most shot attempts. Now, some teams have broken that mold a little bit in there. And, and as we've dove deeper into this stuff with, you know, the work that, you know, guys like Steve Valaket and ClearSight Analytics do or some of the other, you know, sites that model out expected goals, you, you do start to factor in quality. And I think who's shooting the puck as well. I mean, I think that that's super important. It's just, it's not the same thing when the puck lands on Greg McKegg's stick 12 feet from the net as it is when the puck lands on Artemi Panarin's stick 12 feet from the net. And nobody can tell me otherwise. Greg McKegg could score. The same thing score, with goaltending too, by the way. Exactly. Right. Right. And so I think, you know, look, uh, the Rangers may be one of those teams that breaks the algorithm a a little bit. And all that said, I think you're right, Dave, we can agree. And I think most level headed people would agree that there's probably not enough consistent offense there for the Rangers to really be scary because they need power plays in order to get a lot of scoring chances. Usually their power play is so good that it generates enough offense that they end up getting either about the same amount or more scoring chances than their opponent because the power play is so lethal and does produce so much quantity and quality seemingly no matter how it's aligned whether Panarin's on the left whether Zibanejad's on the left whether Kako's out there you know second power play unit's a different story but um five on five play will rule the day especially in March and April and in the playoffs and I think the Rangers are a trade or two away from solidifying this lineup into one that can generate a little bit more sustained offense. I don't think they're going to become a dominant shot attempt team. I don't think, and I don't think they should play that way, honestly. You know, there are a lot of people who believe, and the Carolina Hurricanes are a great example. All they do is shoot the puck. Watch them when the Rangers play them, and I guarantee you, you don't even, just steal yourself for it now whenever that first game against the Canes is. Carolina is going to outshoot them like 45 to 20. It's going to happen because that's the way that Carolina plays. And it is completely opposite from the way the Rangers play. That said, I think your point, Dave, about being one and done in the offensive zone is the heart of the issue. I think they need to get better at retrieving pucks and recycling the offense so that they can get the next scoring chance rather than what we're seeing now, which, like you said, it's either a shot and a goal or a shot and a save, and then the, and then the opponent's coming the other way. So anyway, let's quickly just cover off the Edmonton game, and then we'll move on. Um, in the absence of Artemi Panarin, uh, Ryan Strom has been playing with Alexi Lafreniere and Barkley Goodrow. So that's been kind of the Rangers' nominal second line. And that line had a hell of a night, uh, accounting for three of the four goals in the win over Edmonton. And as you alluded to, Dave, uh, Alexander Georgiev, who played on the on the second half of a back-to-back, had another great game. So it looks like the Rangers' goaltending tandem is, is, is well intact right now. Um, stoned Connor McDavid on an absolute point-blank chance from Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, that was such a cool moment for Georgiev. And, you know, Becky, I know you were, um, you know, you were saying just how, what, you know, how, how great the game was and how, how exciting you thought it was. And I thought that moment where Georgiev made that stop and then MSG basically gave him a standing ovation was probably the high point of the game. Yeah, I mean, it was great. And it was great for the crowd to be chanting Georgie. Like, I, I don't, you know, if he's playing well, if he's feeling great, if he's got his confidence, then that makes for a better New York Rangers team. He's not the solution long term. We know that he's expensive and he's a backup. But for him to be playing well, bodes well for the New York Rangers. And that's all there is to it. Um, I loved 
Strom's goal because it was so stupid. It was just so dumb. I mean, he like literally like he didn't even throw it at the net. He threw it like six feet wide and it made its way in. I was like, this is wonderful. Like, <laughs> This is why they say get pucks on net, right? Or toward the net or whatever. So I think <laughs> there were many highlights in that game. And I think for me, that was it because it just made me laugh. And, you know, it was great. It was just great. Dave, any uh, any final thoughts on the Edmonton game before we move on? I am intrigued to see how the Oilers approach trading for Georgiev, you know, less than a decade after trading for Cam Talbot. It seems that the Rangers are just a farm plus, system. That's my, that's my asking price. The Rangers are a farm system for Oilers goalies, and I would love to get Kyler Yamamoto out of them. You know, cheap, yeah, talented. I mean, we're not getting pool, 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 uh, Jesse. <laughs> I can't pronounce Pooly his last name. Yeah. yeah, that guy. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. We're not getting him. We're all embarrassing. We need to be better at that. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to own it. and I am I do this at work, too, where I'm just, you know, I say somebody's name and we have, you know, Carol, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher this one. And I just own it. And it works. I get a laugh. So I'm just going to continue with it. Tough but fair. Yeah, so I would like Yamamoto in a trade for, you know, involving Georgiev. I'm perfectly okay with that. <laughs> you know, uh, okay. I'll take it. I, I, I'm sure that the one or two people who actually follow the Oilers that listen to this are going to, you know, take pitchforks out. But, yeah, I'm okay with that. I like being the farm system for Oilers goalies. Well, they need goaltending, and their coach apparently called out Koskinen yeah. after uh, after the game. So yeah. he was once again, brutal. they're a mess, and it's incredible, yeah. as you said earlier, Becky, with with McDavid and Drysidle, and you know they have, you know they've they they go out and got Tyson Barry, pretty good defenseman. You know they also have Cody Cece, so maybe cancels that one out. But <laughs> you know, they, they've they've tried to many different ways build something around Connor McDavid and it's been a spectacular failure every single time. Now look, they're they're certainly well in it. The Western Conference is much weaker than the East. I found that very interesting looking at the league-wide standings obviously with the Rangers at least momentarily in the President's Trophy position first place overall. I think 6 of the top 7 other than Vegas, all the other 6 are Eastern Conference teams. So um, it's pretty clear where the where the power and the and the you know the top the top teams uh, are in the NHL this year. Um, the West is bunched up. Edmonton will probably make the playoffs, but I don't think anybody looks at that team, um, especially when Connor McDavid is not on the ice and thinks that they're serious at all. So, um, and and I'm sure that he's going to start getting sick of it because the the many seeds have already been planted there over the last you know few seasons with the way things have gone. Um, but yeah, hey, if they want Georgiev, yeah, uh, Moto, sure. I mean, not? Edmonton Norman right David. now has the goalie version of Michael Hanzus and Mike Smith. In oh, <laughs> he still Christ. oh he still plays. And wait, really? He's on that team now. Uh, I mean, he's been bad on that team for a while. So, but I also I also hold it against Mike Smith because he was my fantasy goalie and he had own goals. So that's not multiple good. own goals. He's just he's just. Like, he's he's also, you want to talk about, like, predictive, whatever. Like, he's maddening because he might be very good one game, like a shutout against, like, a great team, and then have own goals in the next game against, like, the Buffalo Sabres. So, yeah, just 
very, very frustrating player and not, not very good. Well, I'm glad the Rangers got their payback. Obviously, they blew a lead to Edmonton and gave up that ridiculous Connor McDavid goal back in November. They turned the tables, take a 4-1 win on Monday, and they're in first place. So a good week, and now with their longest road trip of the season coming up, uh, you know, we'll dig into that probably on next week's show, but wanted to move on and talk a little bit more about Ryan Strome because he has, at this point, I would say completely... Um, flip the script. And and I think he's been doing that over the last couple of seasons. But, you know, this is a guy that, that came in, uh, came into the Rangers from that Ryan Spooner trade, total change of scenery, just uh, I'll dump my underperforming player for your underperforming player. And it's turned out to be one of the, one of the best trades for the Rangers in recent memory. Strom, as you said, Dave, has become a legitimate top six center. I think he is a legitimate 2C on a cup contending team. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of where I've arrived at my sort of uh, you know opinion and analysis of Strom, just just me personally. Um, but the guy has not only produced on the ice, but he is another one of those leaders and locker room presences that I think um, are important. And I think he's learned that over the last few years, learned how to be that. Um, and the unfortunate thing here is that his contract is up at the end of the year. And this is the big decision um, when it comes to the Rangers and how they are building this team beyond this season. We, they have kind of a free ride this year with their cap space and, and all that stuff, which, you know, we could talk about that. We'll get to some trade stuff during the fan question segment. But um, they have a huge decision looming with Ryan Strom here where, you know, there was an article out today, and I don't think there was much behind this, but... Um, it mentioned Kevin Hayes' contract as a comparable, which was seven years, $7.1 million, which if you've seen Kevin Hayes play lately is, is certainly a bit of an overpay. But um, Strom's going to get the bag, and this is his, this is his last chance to do so. Um, so, Dave, I'll start with you. Um, where are you on Ryan Strom right now, and is it even possible for the Rangers to make this thing work? So seven years, seven million is about market value based off of what Evolving Hockey had last year. I think they had him at six and six five or something to that effect. I'd have to double check. Given the year he's having, seven seven is about right. Um, if he the absolute cheapest the Rangers can get him at and still make it work is five million, and I'm saying that in the sense of. Let's say you it's an $82.5 million cap next year. The Rangers will have $9.8 million in cap space for a backup goalie, about a million, a Kevin Rooney or replacement, about a million, Julian Gauthier or replacement, about a million. So that's $3 million right there. And then let's say you got five or six million for Strom. That's all great, but now Capococco needs a contract. So the Rangers really don't have any wiggle room next year, and the only way to do it is, yeah, getting rid of Nemeth. Maybe you get rid of Heedle, or maybe you get rid of Ryan Lindgren. And it's it, something that we've been, yeah, it, it's been something we've been saying for quite some time. To re-sign Ryan Strom, you're going to lose something you don't want to lose, be it Heedle yeah. or Lindgren, plus Nemeth. 
which neither here nor there. Or you're going to have to dump one of the big contracts, and I don't think anybody wants to really dump one of those big contracts right now. Guys, you want to know a fun fact about Ryan Strom that has absolutely nothing to do with anything you just said? Yes. <laughs> of course you do. Um, so I was Googling him to find out his age, and his name, his full name is Ryan Edward Gaston Strom. Like Ga- Gaston? Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Literally Beauty and the Beast. So anyway, go on. With uh, no, uh, now I want somebody self. to make a sign at a game just with his full name out there and say yeah this is a built to spell thing yeah we we need somebody who's much funnier than us to do something to that effect because you've got to integrate the the beauty and the beast character as well of course yeah i mean he does kind of look like lumiere you know if i were to pick a beauty and the beast (laughs) thing he would be lumiere he doesn't really look like like a candlestick you know maybe that's a good post idea you know Rangers players as Disney characters. It's not a bad idea. Uh, Sounds like off-season content to me. Greg McKegg definitely looks like something. Like, we'll figure that one out. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was derailing. But yeah, he's 28. He'll be 29 this summer. Yep. Right. So, And and do you want Ryan Strome for seven years when you... At at 29, when you've already committed and Becky's going to stab me through the microphone to Mika Zibanejad at 29 years old for eight years... You're really tying yourself to guys on the wrong end of 30 at that point. I don't disagree with you. And for the record, Dave, I don't love the years on Mika Zibanejad's contract. I don't. And I said that when they signed him. So I'm not going to stab you for that. Probably something else, but not that. Uh, uh, Oh, I expect you to say, so fuck you too. (laughs) No. Come on. I don't tell people to go fuck themselves on this podcast, unlike someone else I'm talking to right now. Eh, I keep it fresh. (laughs) Just to give everybody, if you may not be looking at Ryan Strom's statistics, he has 26 points this year, 8 goals and 18 assists. Uh, There was also a very funny Twitter exchange earlier between um, two of my favorite follows in kind of the Rangers universe. So you've got uh, Fitz, at FitzGSN underscore. I think we all know who he is. There's also at Calor Commentary. I believe he listens to the show, so shout out to him. Um, so back on January 3rd, 2020, so that's exactly two years ago, uh, Calor Commentary tweeted, if former fifth, uh, fifth overall pick Ryan Strom's name was spelled Ryan Strom, R-I-A-N-N-E-S-T-R-O with an umlaut M-E, this fan base would demand a seven-year extension. Now, obviously, a very sort of um, cutting, witty... Sassy. take but very uh very uh truthful i would say about some of the you know folks that 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 are vocal about the team and uh you know uh, like to comment about them on twitter um because there does seem to be a fascination with you know undervalued european talent um which i, I think is totally fair i think that uh, that often those are the types of players that are undervalued i think his point was ryan Strom is very clearly uh, an undervalued asset, a late bloomer. And the, the sort of satirical suggestion at the time was lock him up to a seven-year extension. So Fitz uh, very uh, funnily calculated Strom's statistics since that tweet. So that is just before the original COVID pause two years ago. But in 116 games since January 23rd, 2020. So you're talking about two calendar years with obviously a bunch of stoppages and shortened seasons and all that. 
Strom has 30 goals, 68 assists, 98 points in 116 <laughs> games. He's played most of them with Artemi Panarin. Yes, we know that. But if you look at his underlying numbers, this is where they are very they come in very handy. They show that he has not been a passenger. He's not just riding shotgun and cleaning up Panarin's garbage and, and inflating his counting stats. He has been, in tandem with Panarin, the driver of an elite offensive unit for the better part of, of two seasons, of two full years now. So Strom has earned his money. And I think, you know, unfortunately, the Rangers didn't make the decision to give him a big ex- extension two years ago. They probably could have had him for six years and $4 million back in, you know, before COVID was a thing. Amazing to even think of the world that way. But that's not the reality we live in. The reality we live in is the fact that he's probably a six and a half, seven million dollar player on the open market. And the decision is his whether or not to take a home down discount. Here's my take on this. And then, Becky, I want to get your thoughts. This is why the Philip Heedle thing is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a failure both of the organization and the player himself. This year, even as the Rangers are trying to win and compete, had to be the year that the Rangers ended it whenever it ends and knew what they had in Philip Heedle. And so far, through 34 games, I don't think anybody can confidently say that they know what they have there. Is he a winger? Is he a center? Is the point production from last year real? So far this year, it doesn't look like it's real. We just don't know. Does he need to play with better line mates? But if he needs to play with better line mates, what does that make him? So there's mm-hmm. a lot of questions swirling around with Heedle. So, Becky, I'll kick it over to you. I think that's really the domino that needs to fall here. And I think it actually sort of comes down to a Heedle or Strom choice. Because like Dave mentioned, somebody's got to go to clear the cap space if they do want to keep Strom. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think anything that you just said is wrong. I agree with you. Uh, And it's very frustrating because Heedle's 22 years old. So, like, (laughs) it's one of those situations where you're like, if you get rid of him, if you trade him or whatever, you're trading him low. He has seven points this season, like seven points in 30 games. That's that's like capital, not capital good. Like, it's just bad. Um, but he's 22. And so are you going to lock up Strom for seven years and get rid of Heedle? And then, you know, in two years, Heedle's like an absolute stud and Strom's falling off a cliff and you're like, well, shit, you know, and that's a reason that I'm really glad that I'm not a GM, that I don't have to make these decisions because, uh, listen, you have Strom this year, right? Like for all intents and purposes, like I just sit, like you just ride it out for the rest of the year. You're not going to trade him. You're not going to, you don't need to extend him. You can deal with him in free agency. But like, uh, it's something that like, we need to know what's going on with Heedle at a certain point. And I, I agree. And like the point that you said, is he a wing? Is he a center? Like, do we know that? That's like not great that you don't know that at this point. I mean, what is this? His third season? More. This is fifth. It's his, his fifth excuse season, me. It's his, but okay. It's, but yeah. I yeah. mean, he played nine games in his first season. Hold on, he's right. only played 216 stroke. games total. So he's still less than three yeah. seasons. That's kind of right. weird how we have to look at this now because COVID robbed people of basically a full two full seasons. Well, yeah, I mean, but he also he played nine games in seventeen eighteen. So like, yeah, this is his fifth season, but not really. Right, so, one of them only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, I mean, he came up. He was eighteen, and he played a full season at nineteen. So that's that's like it's unusual. Not that it's unusual, but it's it's he's he was he is still very young, but he was you know he debuted very young also and so I don't know I I don't I don't know the answer I'm glad I'm not 
making that kind of decision. Um, but like I, I do think Strom is playing his ass off and, you know, it's a contract year and thank God for that. And I think it's really uplifting and, and, and promising, at least for this year, that he's doing well without Panarin because I think that was everyone's favorite like tagline like well he plays with Panarin he plays with Panarin of course he gets points he plays with Panarin like okay well he's doing pretty damn well the last couple of games he was great last year Panarin missed all that time when he was taking care of the situation in Russia too so yes that 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 discussion is over I mean he can do it without Panarin and I think you know there's some merit as Tyler from our from the blog wrote about in his uh his game you know thoughts post there's some merit to even when Panarin gets back from COVID protocol, whenever that is, maybe not breaking up that Strom laugh Goodrow line, letting that ride for a few games, and seeing if Panarin can ignite Heedle a little bit. Because, Dave, I'll kick it back to you. I know you wrote a big post about Heedle um, as well. You know, they have to figure it out with him. He's a key piece here. He he obviously was signed to a, a bridge deal. He makes over two million dollars. If you want to keep Strom, and again, we can debate the merits of that given his age and, and what you expect after he, you know, uh, surpasses the age of 30. Um, but, you know, Heedle's a key piece of this rebuild going forward, too, and and, and something's got to give. So, um, and like I said, I mean, I'm just frustrated. I think that they don't know what they have yet. That's my main takeaway. But, you know, you looked a little bit deeper into Heedle, and what did you find? What do you, what do you see? Well, I'm just as frustrated as you guys that we have no idea what he is. And, you know, <clears throat> there's a big thing that this year is not being attributed to, and it's the on-ice shooting percentage with Heedle. Uh, that is a largely teammate-driven stat where the puck's just not going in the net. Last year, the Rangers shot 10.5% with Heedle on the ice, and it led to... His ridiculous points per 60 stat, and everybody's saying extend him, extend him, extend him. The Rangers, I, I think his contract was, it, it was signed this offseason at $2.3 million. That was fine because, you know, it was his first year of really producing like that. And this year it's half that, 5.4%. Both of them are outliers. And the real the realistic answer is that he's probably in the 8 to 9% or seven, I'll go seven to nine percent on ice shooting percentage range because he's skilled, but he's not a finisher, and they just don't know what they have. Is he a center? Is he a wing? Is he a second liner? Is he a third liner? What the hell is he? We don't know. There are so many options with him that the only way we get answers is by playing him with Panarin to see if he can actually play center with one of the best wingers in the game, and if he can't, put him on wing with Stroman Panarin to see if he can actually put up numbers. You got to know what you have in this guy because he is your answer if and when Strom prices himself out of New York because he is going to price himself out of New York at this point. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that right now it's amazing the difference one really good player makes because the Rangers at center are pretty solid today, but they are very, very thin tomorrow and that's kind of an interesting situation that this team finds itself in with you know Zibanejad and Panera and uh, excuse me Strom in their prime producing the way they're producing Heedle's a very good third line center that whatever line he plays on does generate a lot of offense and I know Rob Luker will will remind us of that always Um, and they've got a really solid 4C as well in Kevin Rooney so that right now you know you look at how this team stacks up in terms of it you know down the middle which is the most important position other than goaltending 
um, they're really good. But if Strom leaves, they're really bad. It's kind of a one or the other with them, and it's it will it'll be interesting to, to see how it plays out. But you know, um, like I said, I you know I, I did want to sort of you know just take a moment to appreciate how good Strom has been, and and you know what a ranger he's become, which I don't think a lot of people accepted him as a ranger when he first kind of came here. He's a four, Islander draft pick. People didn't really like him. He he was a, an, an underperforming top five pick, and he's really found a home here. And it, you know, it's going to be tough to see him go if that is indeed what happens. But um, dare we right, guys, say he thrives under our, David Quinn? Oh. Well, he Quinn definitely helped him reach the point he is at now. I don't think that's any that's I don't think that that's deniable. Whether Strom hated playing for him so much that it just made him play better so that Quinn would shut up, which may very well be what happened. It was his revenge seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, judging by the, you know, the quote you brought brought up earlier, Becky, the quote that, you know, Strom was very, very candid and pointed with the media when asked about mm-hmm. it. He basically, he, for all intents and purposes, told Quinn to shut up. He basically mm-hmm. said, we, the top six, are very good. We know exactly what we're doing in the offensive zone. We don't need to be micromanaged. And I believe that was the word he used, was micromanaged. I, I mean, so, no one likes to be micromanaged, so. I mean, listen, you know, uh, either way, David Quinn was, he was part of it. Well, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, Strom would actually say about that if you had a chance to ask him in private. But, um, no, great player. And, and, you know, let's at least hope, and I'm sure they will, that they ride it out for the rest of the year because, if the Rangers do make the playoffs and go on a run, he will potentially be a huge piece of that. Speaking of the playoffs, our fan questions do kind of revolve around that. So, Becky, I will kick it over to you. All right. From our our shop club pal, Immortal Lou, if the Rangers didn't make any moves and went in the playoffs with the current roster, what are your realistic expectations of how far they can go? David, take it away. Are, who's their opponent? That's because not that the matters. question. That matters. Well, obvious. Uh, but then, so so go on. <laughs> explain. Uh, all you right. know it's going to be the Metro. Go, go the on. The first two yeah, rounds are against yeah. the, the, the Caps, Penguins, and Canes. Two of the when when in Rome. <laughs> yeah, so let's assume they get the Caps or the Canes. They're out in the first round. If the Rangers find a way to win the division and they get the Penguins, I think the Rangers win because the Penguins are better. Sorry, the Rangers are better than the Penguins. But I don't think the Rangers are built for playoff success because of what we spoke about. They are very one and done offensively. And once refs start swallowing whistles and we're not getting the power play time we're used to, they're not built to score in the playoffs. They're going to need Shesterkin to literally stand on his head. They're going to need him to pull a Jonathan Quick way back when, 2012. It's interesting you brought that up, Dave, because Becky and I were talking earlier before the show because we, you know, we're that weird couple that also talks about hockey when we're not podcasting about it. And because <laughs> we that together. 2012 Kings team came up, which was an eight seed and did not have overwhelming offensive talent. Although, as I mentioned before, I believe they did lead the league in Corsi four by a lot that year. So they were pumping a lot of shots toward the net whenever they had the puck. Um, this Ranger team, to answer Lou's question. I think they can make the second round. Now, yes, that's matchup dependent. But if you look at the ingredients, solid defense, elite goaltending, enough top-end skill, could they win four out of seven, two to one or three to two games? Yes, absolutely. Now, does that sustain over the course of 
a 20 to 28 game run and are they like a Stanley Cup final team as currently constructed no I don't think so and I think you look no further than the third line and what that third line would be going into a game one of, of a playoff series which is let's assume they go back to the normal alignment as much as we're talking about potentially playing Panarin with Hedl I don't think that's going to happen at least long term it would be Hedl, Gautier, and Lafreniere I like all those players individually I don't think that's a line that's going to do shit in the playoffs to be perfectly honest and again I really like those guys but that to me and then their bottom their 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 fourth line would be interesting but I think you know they've struggled to generate offense lately they've been putting up a lot of goose eggs in terms of you know shot attempts and scoring chances lately I do not love their their bottom six and it's because in a weird way they keep needing to supplement the top six with a bottom six player right so you keep moving Dryden Hunt up or you keep moving Barkley Goodrow up because you don't have a scoring winger beyond Capococco on the right side of, of your top six. So it's it all kind of, it would lengthen the lineup. And I think if, if they don't make a move or if they can't make a move, or, you know, like Lou suggests here, if just judging on the current roster, I, I think it's a team that could win a round. That's it. I think they're a second round team as currently constructed. Becky, you go. I want to hear your answer. Well, I'm fully on my bullshit right now. And I believe in my team that just beat the lightning back to back and so I'm gonna say they're gonna win it all because I'm just that guy and I want to be right so that's all next question from so two people asked the same question um our very own Russ Russell Hartman won and Salvador Baldino both asked the Rangers are still in first place at the deadline and Dolan gives Drew Drew the green light to go all in who do they acquire and why? Slash, what trade targets should the Rangers go after to bolster this team in the playoffs? So actually, like the polar opposite of what Lou's question was, which I love that we get to go that way. So Rob, I'll kick it to you first. So I'm somewhat bad with names and knowing who's available and, and all that stuff because um, I'm not like super plugged into the rumor mill. Well, you're but not a fan, I can throw so. out some names that, what was that? I said you're not a fan, so I'm sorry. I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm poking fun. Uh, I can throw out some names that we've talked about in the in the uh, Blue Sea Blogs group chat and some of the Twitter conversations that that we've all had. Um, Joe Pavelski has been mentioned. That would be an awesome addition. My guy that I sort of did look at uh, was potentially Ricard Raquel. Now he's on Anaheim. Anaheim's had a, had a good season. They're kind of in the thick of the playoff race, so maybe that one's not uh, all that realistic. Um, but, you know, they need, I think, one, potentially two additions in, the, in their uh, in terms of forwards. Um, I don't think it would be a bad idea to go get a, th- a third-line center uh, so that Heedle can play the wing, whether in the top six or even just play the wing on the third line. Um, but I still want to get a, a true top six right winger to supplement what they have there because right now it's a revolving door of Dryden Hunt Barkley Goodrow and probably Julian Gauthier would be up next if and when the Goodrow, um, you know, bloom comes off the rose. I also am uh, in the minority here, and I and I and I do want to eat a little bit of crow for you, Dave, uh, publicly on Zach Jones because I didn't think he was the answer, but so far so good. In in a limited sample, he's been really really good. Um, he actually carried Libor Hayek around against Edmonton, and the two of them had a really good game. Um, although they didn't really have to play much against McDavid, so that always helps, and the rest of Edmonton's roster is garbage. But um, I, I do think the Rangers would benefit from acquiring a veteran defenseman, and uh, Arthur Staple wrote a really 
you know, good recap of the last couple of games uh, up on The Athletic. And he did a little segment about, you know, some of the potential additions Rangers could make in terms of veteran defensemen. Ben Sherratt is out there. I'm not really interested. He's also going to, for whatever reason, get probably a pretty big haul. The one name I liked, though, was Calvin DeHaan from Chicago. Mm. Um, I think DeHaan would be a great addition. Just a real solid third-pair guy that you can plug in, and, and he could just be reliable and steady. Um, a guy with experience, good skater. So Calvin DeHaan would be uh, would be another you know good name out there that uh, that maybe the Rangers could go after. So that's my answer. I mean, Dave. you covered Pavelski. If we're going true right winger, uh, Ricard Raquel out of Anaheim, assuming they fall out of the race, is a name I've been pegging for the Rangers to get for a while. I think he'd be a good fit, and he addresses that right wing issue. Uh, as for veteran defensemen, the Rangers have the cap space. He's 38 years old. He was a... He was an ex-future ranger. I think Mark Giordano. To ride that an left ex-future defense. ranger. <laughs> I, I think Giordano is still a solid... I, I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm assuming, and we all know what happens when you assume, that he is at the very least a capable third-pairing defenseman that can skate with Nils Lundqvist, or Niels Lundqvist, however you pronounce it. So... In addition to Pavelski, if that doesn't happen, Ricard Raquel, Mark Giordano. And I know somebody brought up Jacob Chikrin out of in Arizona at some point. I forgot who it was, so sorry in advance for not remembering. But that's not a trade you make at the deadline. That's a draft day trade. And you're going to part with people you're uncomfortable with parting with, and then you're going to part with more. So that's... That's a blow-up-the-team kind of a deal where you're losing Keandre Miller, you're losing probably Heedle, you're probably losing Kravtsov, you're probably losing another defense prospect, and you're probably losing more. So I, I kind of wanted to squash that because it doesn't make sense for the Rangers to do that. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. I, I, love, I love Zach Jones, though. I think he's fantastic. And I think he's the answer on left defense or right defense since he can play both. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I like the Pavelski idea a lot. I know that that's not really, it's not a novel idea. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I'm not not familiar with the who's on the block right now. I think someone brought up Radulov. I think that was Connell. Um, he'd be good. I think it's important, though, and this is like not what anyone wants to hear, so I'm not sorry in advance, but the chemistry is really good, and that's not the only thing, obviously, but I feel like if you do have someone who is a veteran, like a Pavelski type, I feel like that's almost maybe like just a a good shout because it's someone who gets it, someone who's been in the playoffs. I know that we like are saying and I said this about Goodrow earlier but like that that experience is so important when you're in it so um yeah I just wanted to add that um all right so Victor Rask is on waivers by the way and I'm looking at his player card for the last three years um these are the evolving wild player cards overall offense and defense I want you guys to guess 
what the ratings are, 0 to 100. Off, overall first, and then offensive-defense splits. I'm not going to guess. There's no way I'm going to do well at this. Wait, can you answer this again? Ask the question again, because I, like, I like didn't get any of that. Yep. So Victor Rask is on waivers. I'm looking at his right. evolving hockey playing card. You know, the three okay. scores at the top, overall offense and defense. What do you think his scores are? Yep, yep, yep. This is the oh, last man. three seasons, uh, like, 20, 21, and 22. I'm going to say... I'm going to say, like, offense is a single digit, like a 5, and then the defense is, like, a 72. And the overall is, like, a 41. Overall, 78. Stop. Wow. Offense, 69. Hashtag nice. (laughs) Defense, 80. Wow, he profiles that strongly. I can't believe that. Wow. I don't know. There's something we're missing. A He's player on waivers. Like that on waivers, really? I actually, I'm checking his contract now. That was Minnesota, right? <clears throat> Minnesota. Yeah, it's Minnesota. I wonder because I saw that name, and I know you know he came out of Carolina. I know he's part of the Niederreiter trade. Um, Rask has never been a scorer, but you know, can the Rangers? Is that your three C? Is that your cheap? If he's somewhat cheap, is that your three C? And then you know, you you go and. Uh, augment the, the you know they... the wing position Dude. via trade. Uh, but, wow, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking, okay. Last year in his deal, four million dollars. This year, mm-hmm. four goals, six assists, ten points in twenty-one games. And I'm just checking his shooting percentage. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Morgan Heedle. Are you sorry? And his no. shooting Facts. percentage. Facts only. If Yahoo loads this year. Oh, shooting percentage this year is absurd. It's eighteen point two percent. He's just not shooting the damn puck. <laughs> so right, he's wow. on a shooting percentage bender. Uh, I, I, I'm so confused by this. Guys also tend to come to New York and shoot higher percentages because of the type of offense they play. So you never know. It might be a gamble worth uh, taking. I, just I mean, if he's shooting he higher, than gamble. Would, can he shoot higher than eighteen point two percent? No, but I think my point is maybe he could sustain it. I mean, Barkley Goodrow is one away from his career high in goals. Mm. It's game 34. <laughs> this is not a surprise to me. I, Chris Kreider has 20 but goals this, this season. He this might actually happens, break 30. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true, though. I mean, you know, the, I think the Rangers, look, I know they are not the most sophisticated operation, but I think they really do value and stress shot quality. And I think that's why they shoot higher percentages. And that's why I think they outscore their expected goals often because they've been doing it year after year now. And that's why the fact that they're playing good defense and they have good goaltending has me feeling really good about this team right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hey, Victor Rask, why not? And, you know, and then you move heel to wing, you make a trade in February and see what happens. I think I'm happy with that plan, especially I didn't know that those were his underlying numbers, Dave, but now that we've gone over those, I mean, I thought he was like a zero offense, all defense player, but that's clearly not the case. Yeah, that's why I said it, because I, I just happened to remember somebody mentioning him in the chat, so I looked it up. I was like, holy shit. He's actually not yeah. bad. This is like when uh, Rob Schrempf or whatever was on. No, this one Michael Grabner was on waivers, and everyone's like, what the hell is Edmonton oh doing? God. And the Islanders picked him up, and look at what happened to him. Granted, yeah. you know, Victor Resk isn't Michael Grabner, I, I don't watch enough well, of I hope him not. to know I what don't. the hell he is. 
I don't want to see him shirtless all the time, just like Michael Grabner was always shirtless all the time. So, <laughs> all right, final question, and this one just came in while we were recording because our friend, as we mentioned before, Built to Spill, is always watching. Always, um, he he asks us, and I'm I'm gonna answer this question for us. So I'm so sorry, guys, but. If the Kreider is a Manajad bromance were a share song, which one would it be and why? And I think that this is a simple one. It's I Got You, Babe, because they always have each other. And that's it. That's all we have for fan questions. Unless anyone has a different share song in mind, but I'm guessing I'm, I'm the only one who's even vaguely familiar with her, her catalog here. So I'm going to go with five years from now. It's going to be If I Could Turn Back Time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. It could also be the Shoop Shoop song, but that's just getting a little bit presumptuous, so let's not. That's... I am not going to be able to top either of those answers, so I'm, I'm out. Those were great answers. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it for our fan questions, although we did have one comment. So um, Rob was the writer of the tweet earlier about... Um, you know, just asking the fan questions. And Rob loves a question and a comment, which is something that I learned about him literally today. Um, And so he asked in the original question, comment, whatever, um, questions, blah, blah, leave them here. Also, what do you think has been the key to the New York Rangers' success? We'll read some of the best responses on the show. And this is just hilarious. So Russell's Brussels, our Latte Larry, said... Assistant Director of Player Development, Tanner Glass. And I think that's the perfect way to exit this this podcast. So thank you, Latte Larry. Appreciate that. And you know the vibe is good when... You know the vibe is good when Tanner Glass can be mentioned and we can all have a good laugh about it. That's how well things are going for the Rangers right now. Oh, man. All right, guys. This was fun, as it always is. Excited to get back to it next week. we got plenty of West Coast hockey to look forward to with the Rangers swinging through Vegas and then the California trip, which we will recap next week. But uh, uh, You guys can do your always. best recapping that shit because I'm going to be asleep for most of those games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Dave's I'm off the kidding. podcast next week. We're, we're kicking him off next week. He's off the island. <laughs> I'm so, like Maybe I'll watch the Saturday game, but you expect me to watch a Ranger game at 1030 when – I have a six-month-old and work the next day. Fuck yes. that. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ten thirty is really bad. Ten ten is manageable because like the third period is usually starting at midnight. I can do that. Um, we're lucky the, the baby sleeps till like seven. So like, if the if the game is not close, it's like fine. I can turn it off at midnight and still be fine. If the game is close, you leave it on. You suffer a little bit the next day. I don't know. I could do it. I'll I'll do some recaps for the blog, Dave, and I will um you know we'll make sure we uh. That you're well informed for next week's show as well, no doubt. <laughs> you guys are off the to island. Me, and I'm just gonna shrug my shoulders and go, uh, pineapple. I got nothing. <laughs> That's quality input there. <laughs> It'll still be better than Joe Micheletti on the as the color announcer. <laughs> <laughs> Always here for Micheletti slander. All right, guys, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently available on iTunes and Spotify. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other fans find the show. 
Follow us on Twitter at BlueSeatsLive and check out BlueSeatsBlogs.com, the longest-running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion, video analysis, and more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. We'll see you next week.